Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well being. They want to help protect you from fraud. So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service or any company is legit. And remember, Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes, so don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security and together this Christmas we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Welcome to the Blood and Mud podcast, the podcast that looks longingly at the weekend's rugby the way Serge Blanco looks at a plate of mushroom volivants. I am Lee Calvert, and joining me over there is... I, I remain Josh Gardner. Are you, are you rested this week, Josh? Have you slept off your jet lag after last week? Um, sort of. I went on a stag do on the weekend, so I got loads of sleep on that, which obviously massively helped my jet lag situation. <laughs> so yeah, feel fantastic. If you want to get in touch with the pod, as most of you know already, but if you don't, you can get in touch with me at Blood and Mud or Lee at bloodandmud.com. And what about you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner, at Rugby Shit Watch, uh, and RugbyShitWatch.com, of course. We're on Acast, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on anywhere. Just put Blood and Mud Podcast into Google. There's all kinds yeah. of podcast things you can listen to now. But also, if you fancy listening to us you know, without ads and all that kind of stuff, then you can go to patreon.com slash Mud. And uh, stuff a little bit of a coinage into our pockets and you'll get ad-free stuff and extra stuff and retrospective episodes and nostalgia stuff and rugby history and all of that kind of stuff. Stuff where we go even more. Even more like us. Yeah. Even more like us. Even more of that. I mean, the level of self-congratulation that goes on on the the Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't really. Anyway, so you've been on a stand this weekend. I've done nothing. I was watching the games, obviously. Did a bit of washing. Yeah, I mean, I still managed to watch the games in between it because some silly people did things like wanting to go surfing in Newquay in February. 
at which point I was like, nah, you're all right. I went on a paintball and on my mate stag do about 10 years ago. And after about two games, I said, I'm done. <laughs> I said, I'm going. I'm going to go sit in the car. Because actually it was when the 2005 Ashes was on. And I said, oh, I'm yeah. going to go listen to the cricket in the car. And, the, and there was like a guy in full gear, like the guy who was taking us round, and it was in York. He's going, what? What do you mean? What, you going? He said, we've got loads of good games coming up. I said, I don't give a shit. I'm hungover. I hate you and I hate everything involved. I'm going to sit in the car. I hate all of this. Yeah, every single you're, second of this, I despise. You're not my boss. This isn't my job. <laughs> yeah, I'm and I don't to, like it like I, you do. I'm going to sit in the warm now. See you later. Was was the attitude of a lot of people on the stag when wind, rain and surf was at Newquay <laughs> yes. in February. Was How does and, fuck and off the, sound? Yeah. <laughs> Fair play to the boys that did go in, but um, yeah, not for me, Clive. Yeah, so there's rugby. Also, the Super League, is, uh, the rugby league season has started. Yeah, Super League's indeed. irrelevant to me because Lee are now in the championship. But I just <laughs> had to make the point that uh, great weekend for Lee. They lost to Halifax, but it was one of the best sending-offs ever. Our winger was sent off for two yellow cards. He got yellow carded, uh, was about to get Simbin, and then got yellow carded immediately again for sarcastically clapping the ref. I mean, fair play. That's the sort of thing that you genuinely, you know, only see in football. So, yeah. Like, yeah. So, and actually, fair play to the ref. Yeah. What a knob. But fair to the court. Oh, like that is it, right? Off. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of old school. I like that. We start as we always start with a player spotted. Of course. James gets in touch via DM. This is where we ask people to tell us about obscure or mundane spottings of players. Now, last the week. Mundane, we the better, really. Well, we had a mundane honest, and obscure yeah. one last week, didn't we? Because we had a. Yes. He was so oh, mundane, that's... I can't remember his name now. No. Beerman. Glorious. Uh, yes, it was Joe Beerman. Joe yes. Beerman. Anyway, this week, James gets in touch via direct message and he says, after hearing of the very obscure player spotted last week, I thought I'd raise the obscurity. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. He said, I currently live and study in Portsmouth. I mean, straight off the bat. Straight there. off the bat. He yeah. said, I decided to gain my coaching qualifications. On my course was the now retired Kieran Lowe, former London Scottish, Glasgow and Saracens and Scottish International. A very nice bloke plagued by horrific concussions. Um, well, one, that's very sad to hear he's concussed. Yes. But you know, when you, I looked him up because I was like, I have no memory of this guy. I was just thinking, I have no fucking idea who that is. He played five times for Scotland in 2013-14. Fuck me that recently. And I've never, I, I have no memory of him. Scottish listeners will no doubt tell me, how could you not remember him? Because whatever. He played against Australia in the, in the November Internationals in 2013 at number eight. He, where they lost. Yeah. Hey, actually, why the hell was he dropped so quickly? Because they lost versus Australia. They then won four games that he played in. Granted, it was against the USA, Canada, Argentina, and Tonga, but even so. <laughs> Still. He won when they beat Tonga in Kilmarnock. Hang on. Hold the phone. Kieran, who was born in Aberdeer. Yeah, and then went to an English college and so ended up playing for Scotland. That's a fucking... I, I, he's 28. I mean, yeah, he's probably a little bit young for me to have known him around town. But I was just like, <laughs> does he look a little bit familiar when I Google him? Because I knew him. But no. <laughs> so yeah, so he played, when they played Tonga in Kilmarnock in the, in the November Internationals in 2014, which is relatively recently, and again, I have no memory of it. No. It's quite remarkable. Yeah, played for England under twenties as well. Go yeah, figure. fairly decent Laker by all accounts, but then um, yeah. had some concussion. 
problems, and he's now coaching, which is a shit. It's always a shame, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, good luck. Yeah, good luck to him. There, good luck to him. Excellent, excellent, random, both mundane and obscure. Yeah, I always enjoy these. The more Uh, weird, the better. Yeah. If you want it, obviously you can get in touch with us uh, on the DMs at Blood and Mud or Lee at Blood and Mud. Slide right in there, yeah. You can fly yourselves in there. Shall we do some news while we talk about the weekend? Yeah, we better add, didn't we? Ryan Wilson is injured for the rest of the Six Nations. Yeah, that's so bad. Which brings the total number of Scottish injuries to 1,374. Who's injured for Scotland? Everyone. Next off, next off the ranks to play back row is Nessie. <laughs> and then Rab C. Nesbitt. And. <laughs> What and that bloke from now? I can't even. I can't yeah. even commit to that joke. I'm just going to stop. <laughs> I love that self-censoring. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I like Ryan Wilson. He's a bit of a shit, but I quite like him. So me um, too. He's a bit of an arsehole, isn't he? But in a in the best way. Yeah, in an enjoyable in way. In the non-eye fish hooking way, in the more just being a bit <laughs> of a shit out way. Yeah. Like it. Any more news? Uh, there's one big bit of news that was reported in the week, but uh, has become a uh, an actual real live news story, which is uh, that bafflingly, and it still makes no sense, but Sean O'Brien, uh, Ireland international Leinster lifer, is uh, signing for London Irish after the Rugby World Cup, apparently for somewhere in the region of about 450k a seat uh, for the his contract, however long that may be, a couple of years. So, yeah. Is he on pay? Is he on paper play? Well, you kind of would want, like, like, you know, I've got my opinions about Sean O'Brien and you know, as his, his goodness as an international seven versus his goodness as an international six. Blah 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 blah. He's a very, very, very good player. Mm. He's a fucking hell of a ball carrier, hell of a defender. He's very good over the ball when he gets there. He's been injured a lot since the Lions tour. Like he's played what six or eight games this season for Leinster because of injury. And at his age, you um, can't think it's going to get. Yeah, better. he's thirty-two years. Old. Like the amount of money, like it's a huge coup for. And I think that's the big reason that they. I was going to ask they're that going question. Back, Do we think it's a turnstiles? They're going back to Bre- they're going to Brentford, aren't they? So yeah, they're, they're on going a tube station. They're back in London. And they want to reconnect with the Irish expat community in London and what better way to do that to be honest than bringing in a bloody proper absolutely solid re- blockbuster recent, world class name recent yeah. Irish legend you know interesting to see how that goes when they also sign Paddy Jackson but I mean <laughs> yeah. yeah well we'll see how that goes but um, yeah he's certainly a bums on seats getting tickets turnstiling kind of guy but how much he will be able to offer on the field uh, he's you know he's already 32. By the time he signs for Irish, he'll nearly be 33. It's a it's a big gamble to throw that much money. But However, it just shows if he stays fit, he may he be worth fair. and, and, may, and his be, carrying and a few st- and his try stays, scoring keeps him up. Yeah, if he stay well, that's, this is the other thing. It's like a team like London Irish are not blowing that kind of money on one player. If they think there's any danger that there's going to be fucking relegation next season, yes, is it indicative of the old uh, ring fence coming in? You yeah. know, Bristol have been throwing money around for next season like nobody's business. Irish have been throwing it around. For me, that the only thing that says is that they know that they're not going to have to worry about people getting relegated. Hmm. So, 
yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting for a variety of reasons, but yeah, it's certainly a big coup for Irish and a big statement for them. And uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do next. Well, best of luck to them and him because exactly. my, my, uh, my London family all support London Irish. So, you know, I quite, I I've quite got like quite a soft spot for them. And I really like the fact they're back, the back in West London. Yeah, you know, where they is, you know where they ought to be, yeah. And actually in a ground that's in the town, if you know what I mean, rather than next yeah, to us. Yeah, and it uh, isn't cavernously massive and soulless. And surrounded, you know, next to the M4 and all that yeah. kind of stuff. All the, all the other Well, it probably is next to the M, not far from the M4, but a much better um, it's, 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 it's a, the M4. It's a less soulless part yeah. of the M4, yeah. Uh, right, so that was the news. So the let's news go indeed. into the weekend, shall we? Let's do that. Do you want to talk about anything in particular first? Or are we uh, just going to go whatever? Well, I mean, you know, big Six Nations weekend. So uh, let's talk about Brazil. No, I'll come to that later. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, England. Yeah. I think are probably the, the number one. Uh, they're basically playing... England 44, bracket, in words, 44, yeah, yeah. close bracket... France, France eight, eight brackets. That's a paddling in anyone's <laughs> language. <laughs> yeah, well, but England are basically playing mistake-free rugby over this first couple of like maybe not mistake-free, but like pretty bloody close. Like, and that's a big part of why they're looking so imposing. Like, they're not making bad decisions. They're not giving away stupid penalties in key, like dangerous areas. The forwards are just hitting rucks with psychotic fervor. The defense is ridiculous. The back three are picking the right angles all of a sudden they're, they're hitting the line at the right moment uh the kicking and general organization from nine and ten has been pretty much faultless the set pieces were like there's no there's no flaws in this england team at the moment and it's quite remarkable to see how quickly that's happened you made a point didn't you um last well how quickly it's happened this is essentially pretty much the same team as last year it didn't do very well and a lot of people last year said that England were tired. I don't yeah. think they were, to be honest. I, I don't think that was it. I do think that actually, I think Jones lost his way a little bit. Yeah. We've had a new defence coach come in. Uh, Scott Wisemantle's been around a bit longer now yeah. to actually try and define an attacking platform. And it's not just down to Eddie to do it, which mm. is kind of what it was last year, if memory serves. So I think there is something about more coaching direction coming in. Yeah. Um, you made a point last week about you know, have England shown their hand too early? And I got into a conversation with a very old friend of mine who was a very good rugby player, Matt. Hello, Matt, listening. Um, and he said the same thing. He said, you know, what's the point of England showing all this now? You know, yeah. if it's World Cup cycles we're interested in. But then again, that sometimes annoys me because it almost... It's still the Six Nations, you know? Yeah, the Six Nations yeah. is a 100-year-old tournament, yeah. which has kudos in its own right and stuff. But um, World's oldest tournament, rugby's but, oldest tournament, brackets TM, yeah. I suppose I don't know... How do you, you know, if you're if you're a, if you're a cyclist or a long distance runner, you can time your training to to work yourself into perfect form coming into a tournament, can't you? Mm. I don't know how you do that with with a squad of thirty people. Yeah, how do you sort of do... say, right, lad, stop playing so well, will you? Because yeah, you can do it with fitness and conditioning. You can, but yeah, in terms of like tactics and form, I think it does make sense to. Like I'm not I'm not saying that Jones has showed his hand too early. That was probably the wrong way. But it's like by by it all clicking this quickly, it might not have done England the best favors because is it sustainable? Now, because ever well, and just because everybody else now has full five games to work it out. Whereas if they'd hit their straps in the last game of the Six Nations or the first warm up game or whatever, hmm. there's not a lot. 
there's no film on that then. Whereas every other team in the world is going to be absolutely pouring, well, except for France, apparently. But we'll come on to that. Is it... We'll be tearing these this tape apart to try and spot weaknesses, isn't it? I'm being... I appreciate that sometimes people accuse me and us of being a bit too negative, right? Mm. But I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to be honest here. When I say, well, unless you could... Is it wrong that I was a little bit bored after half an hour of this game? Honestly, like somebody asked me yesterday um, if I enjoyed the game, I think being pissy. And I was like, (laughs) to to be honest with you, like not really. Like England were good in the first half. It's terrible sport, isn't it, on many levels? It's shit, but like hammering is only enjoyable if you're one of those fucking horrendous bastards that just fucking basically turns up for six games a season and just wants to fucking be a gloaty twat. Wants to bray loudly. Yeah, it's like I don't really enjoy gloating in sport. Maybe that makes me weird, but like if we're fucking battering somebody... I'm probably just looking at my phone or doing something else in the last 20 minutes. I also it, it don't mind battering somebody if you can think, well, at least they're bringing what they're supposed to bring. Yeah, this just at least seemed... they're trying. In fact, no, I was bored with it as a spectacle. I still found elements of it very interesting. Absolutely. I'm finding, yeah, it, I'm finding England agree. tactics generally quite interesting. It was, it, mm. And after the game, Eddie Jones interviewed on ITV and somebody said to him, you're kicking a lot, aren't you? I think they kicked 47 times. Mm. Um, which is like twice as many as, as any of the other games. Um, and Eddie Jones, very he, he said, well, with the fences the way they are now, that's where the space is. And in a way, it's obvious that when you've got an yeah. on-running defence, that's where the space is going to be. Now, I find, over the top of it, yeah. So actually having a very well-developed, short-chipping, grubbing, in-behind sort of game... Is... Honestly, yeah, that Farrell... Like, the last two weeks, Farrell's tactical out-of-hand kicking game is probably the best I've ever seen anyone do. That coupled with his keeping moving either side of the rook. Yeah, yeah. It's quite late on as well. He'll suddenly change. He'll suddenly run the other side and shout for it. Run the other side and shout and it'll go. And, like, okay, he has had the ability, you know, he's had the advantage of, in these first two games, being up against full blacks who don't have a clue how to play full back. I'm and turning Bastro around as well, don't I'm forget. Turning, yeah, oh, the to... ball's going over yeah. my head. I think <laughs> I'd better go and get that sort of yeah. <laughs> but you can't argue with the results. Like they've they've had in as you say, in turning players, in isolating the receiver with under a lot of pressure and generally just making life for the opposition back three absolutely miserable. And how consistently they've turned that making of like the back three's life hard with kick pressure into points, whether it be penalties or whether it be tries from mistakes. You know, it's it's a really interesting one. You sort of looked at the way that Ireland did it against Scotland as well. You know, their first try was exactly, you know, it was a fucking colossal fucker. But it was still from pressure from a kick. I'm both interested and slightly depressed. In that I'm slightly <laughs> depressed. Exactly what you Do you mean. know what I mean? I'm slightly depressed for rugby that we're yeah. going to spend, I reckon, the next six months watching how people now all develop this chipping in behind game. Yeah, it's going to be Which is like, interesting, but I don't but think it's why it's most people yeah. watch rugby. No, it's 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 depressing that that's the way that someone has discovered to relatively neutralise a very aggressive defence. And it's certainly much easier than having first phase and second phase patterns, which will, yeah, which, which will, which, ex- hard. which will get in behind that dog leg. 
yeah. that, that happens. Because when you run up not in a straight line, you automatically get a dog leg. And the only way you can solve that is by having the right angle to get through it. But that takes a lot of organisation and a lot of alignment in live play. In the NFL, they'd sort this in two minutes. Yeah, of course they would. Because, because you just look at that and go, all oh, right, that's what the defence yeah, yeah. are fine. This is the pattern we'll run to stop yeah. it. And um, in rugby, it's going to take. Yeah, it'll probably be. It will probably be not until after the World Cup that we start to see things returning to normal, and it's going to be frustrating because nobody's fucking turning enough to watch rugby to watch people kick the fucking leather off it. Even if that does then end up in tries, they're not good tries because they're tries that are almost always the result of mistake or a fuck up yeah. or and. Well, it starts to look like the fifth tackling rugby league a lot. Yeah. You know, you drive five up and then you chip in behind and hopefully somebody will, you know, you kick it up high enough and somebody will drop it or something. Yeah, but like other things happen before the fifth tackle in rugby league, whereas this is going to be all that happens. And um, I think, what I think is going to be interesting to see what happens to defences now. Yeah, me too. Because everyone's going to go, ooh, hang on. So do, gonna, do, you, do you start running... In rugby league, they have... And I can't remember this when I played. They can have extra ago. sweepers, surely. Well, you have to yeah. run... These, these are run a bobby, as they call it in rugby league. So there was, you had a fullback and a bobby. Usually your, full, usually mm. your scrum half was the bobby. It was yeah. in between the fullback and the defensive line. And I think there's going to be... A, what do you do with your wingers? Because actually, it doesn't really matter because nobody goes wide that early and you cut off the space so much with the blitz mm. that you can maybe pull your wingers in to defend a bit tight yeah. and behind, maybe. I don't know. It's, yeah, but I do. that's the interesting bit. But as you say, it's going to take probably nine months of watching people just constantly kicking these angled, very clever kicks. Yeah. You know, like, sort of AFL, sh- GAA yeah. style, you know. Yeah. I would not shock me to see Gareth Anscombe starting at 10 for Wales in two weeks' time. And at the first bit of phase play, he does exactly what England try- have been doing to other people. And he sends fucking Liam Williams and George North herring down fucking Johnny May's channel off an angled kick and seeing, well, see how you fuckers deal with it then. Yes. And thus and thus the game will continue. But you know, it's yeah. you know, it's still rugby, well, it's still it enjoyable. Makes for it's a still lot compelling. of drama, I suppose, because yes, you're constantly thinking, who's gonna catch this sort of thing. But but, but as you say, it's 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 an interesting development, but I'm not sure it's in the same way that sort of the kick for recover thing that Wales did a few years ago was, you know, a very clever way of exploiting the the way that the game was going. It wasn't particularly good to watch. And it didn't make for very interesting rugby, even though it gleaned a lot of success in terms of meters, in terms of breaks. Yeah. So is it in the in the NFL? Would they call it the secondary? Yes. That sort of would. defensive, yeah. the secondary yeah. defense area. Yeah. And I think oh. there's going to be a lot of work on whatever the rugby equivalent of a secondary is over the next six months. Yes, and there's going to be a lot more, you know, in the sense that you know. Without which, you know, they're not going to be stacked. They can't, they're not going to be able to stack the box to borrow an NFL parlance of, you know, of that sort of full. What does that mean? Uh, in, in the NFL, stacking the box is basically where you expect somebody to be running the ball at your defensive line. So you bring eight men into the tackle box where the offensive linemen are to try and stuff up all the holes. It's basically the equivalent of the blitz. But um, hmm. it leaves you exposed behind you. And effectively, rugby has been, you know, stacking the box for some time now. And somebody's finally worked so, it out. Somebody's that... finally worked out that you can, that leaves gaps in the secondary. And that's going to mean that they're not going to be able to stack the box so much, which could, if teams can balance. The problem always is with this shit is that everybody just goes fucking hard ass motherfucker and absolutely sells out on one thing. Hmm. Now, if, if a team can add into balance into this equation, and can balance this kind of kicking attack with a more traditional 
phase play, then all of a sudden rugby becomes really fucking interesting again because teams will not be able to commit to the blitz like they have been and defend like they have been because it will leave them exposed and vulnerable behind, which means that they're going to have to be, you know, basically mm. going to have to hedge their bets a lot more, which is going to create more gaps in traditional places like they were back in, in, in traditionally, you know, out wide or whatever in a defensive line, which is going to cre- create more line breaks and more interesting attacking play from phase play. And that's the question, where do England go from here? It's that, isn't it? Yeah. It's been able to mix up that two. angle that's kicking to know that yeah. actually they've covered that now. What have we got? It, what, what have we got now then? What can Farrell call it there? What angles do we run? What? Yeah. And it's like you were saying, like, this is quite an easy, like, it's an easy thing to do. It's an easier thing than phase play to sort of get around the defence. Well, because you so just run forward. There is no angle. You just, angle. Run, you just, you yeah, just the, run forward and somebody chips kick, it over and you yeah, get there before they do. got a good enough 10, he kicks it in the right place and you chase after it. I mean, that's a very simplistic way of putting it's it. Very, but that is, well, for professional rugby players, it is probably that it, simple. It is that, yeah. Compared to having two, you know, two banks of runners and, and angles yeah. and timing and all that stuff. This is, you know, with the amount of time that they've had with these players since, and, you know, and they've got with these players until the World Cup, realistically, this is a very smart and very effective mm. bit of game planning. However, like you say, the... There's got to be a phase. The plan is obviously, you know, must be for a phase two, which will be a bit more of a rounded game, which will make them very hard the problem to beat. The problem is then how do defences adapt? How do other teams adapt to the attack? It'll be, it's going to be very interesting in a couple of weeks, I think, to see how Farrell does that against a back three that isn't completely fucking shambolic, because Liam Williams, for all his strengths, knows how to cover, mm. and. And, you and, know, George, yeah. and has and the George, pace too, even if he's yeah. caught out of position <coughs> as well. Yeah, and, you know, the Welsh wingers have the pace and the size to compete and to cover as well. Whereas, I mean, I don't want to talk, I don't want to be sort of negative about England. I thought they were fucking excellent. No, you know, indeed, were, I'm not, I'm not were, being negative. Abs- I'm just, they yeah. were absolutely brilliant on the weekend. They were and exceptional, they, yeah. You know, they didn't let up and they just, abs- you know, they, st- they stamped on France's face after 60 seconds and just kept stamping and stamping and stamping until there was nothing left. And Until you and UJ said, that's my job. <laughs> Indeed. But we do need to talk about France. We do. Before because... we do, last point, before we all point and laugh at France. Yes. The last point on the <laughs> NFL chat, right? Yeah. Emmett Smith. Yes. The legendary cow- uh, Cowboys running back. Yes. Do you remember that he scored all of his tries? Tries. Touchdowns. <laughs> hey. Yes. Touchdowns. The you'd have to touch down, but nobody's ever made that point before. Um yeah. On that draw play. Yes. Yeah, that one play where he ran behind someone yeah. and they drew the defender and they popped it to him and off he went. The NFL's equivalent of why, the second switch, yeah. Why on earth don't fullbacks just do that the whole time in rugby? In rugby? I know it sounds it's simple. Weird, isn't it? I, but... think it's because, I think because there's genuinely, they're worried about blocking and obstruction, but it happens so much now anyway, it's surprising to me that it doesn't happen more often. Yes. And they don't, they don't borrow more rushing concepts and run concepts from the NFL because there's some they genuine... They must do. I don't know about these things, but they must... Well, any sure. rugby coach that isn't going to NFL now and saying, let's have a chat about how you gain inches. And I know it's easy yeah. in NFL because you're already set up and, and all of that. Yeah. But there's, you know, they must be. They must there's be. There's some stuff about... I, I, love to, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I remember seeing something about how Kel Surprise, uh teams in the MPC are like borrowing... 
NFL concerts for great effect. I can't remember where that was. It might have been on Rugby Pass. But uh, yeah, I will have to dig okay. that out. Well, we haven't got time for that. That's, no, that's another episode. That. But yeah. yeah, let's talk about that another week. But yes, yeah, I completely agree. So then, France. <sighs> now you see, Honestly. some people have said, right, that France look uncoached. But I think they're almost anti-coached. <laughs> yeah. The They've created an on. entirely new situation where they're actively being anti-coached. Well, like, the only thing worse than that fucking horrible current French shirt, really, <laughs> is the fucking chances wearing them. Like, I don't know where to... Like, report, like, you're saying about how they're not coached. Like, reports after the game, one honest player said to um, Midi Olympic that... Um, they hadn't been prepared at all in terms of what their defensive game plan or positioning was. So nobody knew where they were supposed to be standing, who they were supposed to be yeah, covering. Yeah, but that, that's luxury stuff. Are you expected but, to cover that the week before international game? <laughs> yeah. And then when they went to the bench to ask for advice about why they were getting caught out so badly, apparently the bench offered nothing. And the player said it was a mess. Um, they can't then, even tell poor Sebastian Varmina that he's captain, never mind the no. defensive pattern. But then after after the game, Gail Ficku went on record and said that they hadn't done any work on England's kicking game before the match. None. That <laughs> staggers me. In twenty dollars, I can't fathom it. You watch that England game and go that Ireland England game and go, should we have a look at the kicking game that they absolutely battered the second best team in the world with? Nah, I bet they fine. did cover it, but Gail just didn't understand it. Yeah, so well, he said. Well, that's what you don't like. Did they not cover? Did they not cover it in a way that you understood? Vicky was like, "Explain it to me like I'm five. Yeah. Okay. Explain it to me like I'm three. Well, the problem is, you know, you've got Jacques Brunel picking a back line with a winger at fullback and four centres. You know, and then you go, "Well, how didn't you know where to stand? Well, because I'm a centre." Or I'm a winger and I'm playing fullback. Poor Damian Penno. How he managed to look anything like classy in the midst of that fucking yeah. shambles is a <laughs> testament to that lad's talent. Yeah, he is a, you know, he's a centre. He was playing yes. on a wing and getting absolutely no help from anyone on his own, just trying his absolute, like, if I was the FFR, like, this, these players, like, not so much the young lads, but the players that have been around for a while are a fucking embarrassment. <laughs> They just don't look like they, they could just... Asterisk, like, apart from Girardo. Yeah. Which is well, we'll come to that. But like, well, yeah. Like, if I was the FFR, I mean, I'd instantly fuck off Brunel because that man clearly is not good. Like, he was not good enough to coach Italy. He's sure as shit not good enough to coach he's France. He's clearly out of his depth, isn't he? Massively. And he's embarrassing himself with this, you know, and he's embarrassing France. But I just fuck off everyone in that squad over 25 and say... All the lads who won the Junior World Cup last year take the places of anyone over 25 and just see how it goes. Because according to that same MIDI story, like... But the thing is, you can't blame the personnel. Well, you can, but you can't if what you've just said is true. If they've not been given... Because it's quite obvious they've got no strategy, no game no. plan and no structure. No. So actually, a lot of people are saying what you're saying, which is, well, bring him in and put DuPont in and put Ramos in and put Antibac in, yeah. which doesn't anything wrong with that either. But you're going to get exactly the same result. You're going to get exactly the same result if they don't even bother covering defensive patterns in a week leading up to games. It's true, but I mean, players like Dupont are coming on and they're making things better. You know, Dupont Mm. beat more players than any player ever has in the history of the Six Nations on the weekend. (laughs) Somehow, in spite of all of that, you know, the world is literally melting into a 
fine paste next to him. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, I'll just keep stepping until some fucking idiot turns up on my shoulder and then overruns it. Like that's <laughs> and knocks it on. Yeah. Yeah. Because they did beat loads of players, but then I think yeah. after they beat the first player, about 18 inches yeah. later, they got absolutely yeah. creamed by yeah. somebody. Yeah. And there was nobody to give the ball to. Or if that person was there, he was running a full foot in front of him. But apparently in that sense, honestly, it made me so cross. <laughs> like, that level of like incompetence. They're, apparently in that MIDI article as well, they were basically saying... Is this like, one that they call Waterloo? <laughs> yes. The only, apparently the only, like, behind closed doors, the, the sort of prevailing sense within the FFR is the only thing that can possibly save French rugby now in this World Cup cycle is if in a 2011 World Cup style, they the players basically just tell the coach to fuck off and we're doing it like they did when they got to... And, but the difference is that there's nobody in that French squad that's had anything near or even approximating success at test level. None of them know what it's like to fucking win a Grand Slam. None of them know what... Well, very few a of them do anyway. One. Yeah, Power 1-1. One, one. In was... fact, that's it. That's the thing. He needs yeah. to pin one of them rosettes on himself like in Les Mis. <laughs> Do you hear no. the people sing to the barricades, brothers? Yeah, yeah. they they could do with a bit of bloody Bastille spirit, couldn't they? Some sort of... They could you know, do with something. They just need something. They could do with some video analysis. That'll, that'll do. Just, yeah, just do it. Just watch the games back. Don't even need to analyse it. Just watch them. Just record... Like, Get your fucking Sky Plus or whatever out and just record well, it. Seriously, man, Viamina in that thing. I think it's just, what do you want? A scrum or a kick? I don't know, ask the captain. You're the captain. You're the captain. <laughs> oh. Oh, nobody's told me. Well, why would you say that publicly anyway? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Bastero was captain for a bit on the weekend and somehow the world didn't fall apart. I, just... I think the mad thing is that for, for 45 sense. minutes ish against Wales, they look fine. <laughs> Yeah. So why did you just why did you bring fucking Bastero back? Did you see yeah. that bit when Bastero got the ball out wide in open space? That was hilarious. Oh, it was, I was fucking just like, hilarious. Rumble, young man, rumble. He didn't rumble very far, obviously, but it was just like for a glorious second, I thought, is this the moment where Matthew Bastero streaks up the Twickenham wing and scores from about forty meters out? For no. about five meters, it looked like it might be, and then it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It really um, wasn't. Um, yeah. Keen so... Garado, though, like they should just pension him off now. Like, you know, that, like, old urban legend thing about, like, if a tube driver witnesses X amount of suicides or horrendous <laughs> things in the course of their job, TFL just goes, you know what, there's no way you can come back from all this. We're just going to, I don't care how old you are, we'll just pension you off. <laughs> that's what Girardo's in. That's, the, like, the guy has seen too much now. He's been through too much as captain of France. Like, he's had to sit there being the only competent, decent, hard-working player on this team while everyone else runs around taking a shit with their clothes on. And it's just not fair on him. Let's just... He did like, knock the ball for England's first try. Oh, yeah. He, he was not blameless, but he was at least trying. And I'm not sure everyone there was. And that's the other, that's the biggest thing. What's quite clear is that you could see, if you watched them off the ball, they were not yeah. running to get back in position. No. That squad is fucked. Yeah. Mentally. <laughs> Honestly, God, it is. And that's yeah, probably well, leads it to your point. So we'll just get somebody in who's 23 that he really fucking wants to play. Yeah. And then we'll see if, if it's, they can't be asked or if they don't know where they're supposed to go because nobody's told them. <laughs> Are they just running around slowly? You haven't played rugby before, right? You are news. I know you're not a fullback, but you generally know you have to stand out the back, yeah. right? You've, you've watched the game, right? I mean... <laughs> Was it just somebody's face 
on show out wide. You thought I'm having that. I'm going to jump all over that fucker. Oh shit, I'm out of position. <laughs> but the um, the and I know, I know Antoine Dupont looks young. I know it wasn't yes, going very well. But Nigel Owens saying unlucky when he knocked the ball on late in the game. Yes, was incredible. Was like a hot like that. So was... knock on unlucky. Lucky lads, it was never mind. Just horror, like, I, I, I kind of could see like, where Nigel was coming told, from, but absolutely. But, but if I was a Frenchman, I just told him to get fucked at that point. It's like, come on, mate. I'm not if you're fucking pity. I'm a professional rugby player. A French follower just said, you know, we've now reached the French follower responded to when I put that on Twitter and said, now we've reached the Nigel Owens pities on stage. Can it get any worse? <laughs> well, did you see that bit where? Um, Oh, fucking hell. Who was it who ran into each other trying to cover a It kick? was Para ran into a Lambe. Yeah, Lambe, yes. Uh, and there wasn't even any... He, he, didn't, he was stood still, Lambe. It's like, Morgan, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Just He's right. He's got his arms You've up You've got a massive air. ginger lighthouse in, in front of you. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're doing this. You're looking up and down. And he's he's still there, all six foot five ginger man with his arms I think that Para knew what was coming and tried air. to... Deliberately Stamps. injured himself. Yeah, he just smashed himself into. I'm fucking checking out of yeah. this. I've got an HIA, lads. <laughs> I'm coming off. Wrecked, he wrecked himself on a large ginger lighthouse intentionally, like sort of scuttling his own ship. Ugh. What is the answer? I suppose. Have they ever sacked anybody mid-tournament before, France? I can't remember. I mean, they must not. have done. <laughs> they haven't. They haven't. Like, I how long did they remember... stick with Mark Leverman for? Don't forget. Way too long. Way, way too long. I seem to remember something like. Was the was that last sacking that they did the first time that they'd ever sacked someone? Like as opposed know? to just yeah, I think like as opposed to just letting them sacked, leave in a very French sort I think, of way. Yeah, I think that was the first time they'd actually sacked someone instead of just letting them see out their contract and being done with it. And yeah, I mean they've done that now once, so you might as well just fuck him off in the middle of the tournament because it can't get any worse. Well, genuinely, if you replaced him with an onion with a tricolor fucking stenciled on it, would it be worse? Would it be worse? <laughs> no. At least a cry, with, you might give us some a, emotion. With a, with a beret with just a, a pack of jetons thrown in there. Other French tropes are available. Other French tropes are available. I'm right out of them now. But, you know. oh, I missed that baguette, obviously. Bicycle you've missed out, stripy yeah. jumper, all of that. Yeah. <laughs> a baguette wearing a stripy jumper. In the basket of a bicycle, having an affair with someone—all that stuff, yeah, you know. All that stuff. All other 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 tropes are available. Yeah, we apologise. Not really. It's, um, there's nothing more. We've spent ages on this. There's nothing more to say. No, there's nothing. England look excellent. It should be a humdinger in Cardiff coming up. Yes. You see Eddie Jones's salty bitchiness today. Honestly, it's going to be difficult because we're playing the best Welsh team in history, apparently. So it's well, been said. Thing. Honestly, like he's. Enough like his attempts to talk us up, like honestly, they they're stretching credulity, and he can't even help himself. He's trying to like talk him up a bit, and then he's just like, "Oh, Principality Stadium, I've never thought is a fortress." It's like, well, you felt it was a fortress when you fucking beat your Australia team and you lost your job the week after, Eddie. But you know, <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, <laughs> spice. honestly. Like, I'm just so bored of like already. I'm bored of Eddie Jones talking like and, and the chat, and I'm going to be bored of Gatland and the chat. And I really wish it wasn't a two-week fucking gap because the amount of nonsense that's going to be spouted by both sides between now and 
two weeks Saturday in Cardiff is just going to be fucking unbearable. I might full... just turn, I'm just going to turn the internet off. It's going to be full Bobby Fisher, Boris Spassky. <laughs> Very much is actually. Right then, shall we talk about? Well, that was England. Yes. Um, got a couple of weeks. Of... France have got a couple of weeks to get it sorted now. Let's see how they do. <laughs> Easy. Philippe Salah's been recalled. 
they might have peaked a year too early in terms of just their effort and their commitment and their hunger to do it, you know? And have they got enough class to carry them through, a la England in 2003? I'm not being that guy. I did as a direct comparison. England were playing the best rugby a year before, weren't playing that great come the tournament, but had enough world-class players to still Mm. win it. Ireland certainly have world-class players in coming out of their ears, but do they have world-class players in the positions where they're currently struggling? I don't know. You know, if Conor Murray is not playing well, who the fuck plays nine? Uh, Cooney and Marmion are all right. They're Nothing all right, wrong with them. Nothing wrong with them, but yeah. Wouldn't put a World Cup on their backs equally. If Johnny's, you know, as much as Jerry Carberry's playing very well, you know, he's not Johnny Sexton yet. No. And, yeah, I just think that... He's like, got that Ian Madigan real... crying against France written all over his face, hasn't he? Or is it Argentina? <laughs> I can't remember. It was Argentina, yes. Uh, but that's what I just think from a Scotland point of view. Like, that, it was there for them. Like, Ireland were living off scraps to an extent and they were still being Ireland they were still being clinical they were mm. still being physical you know you know what you're going to get with Ireland and they've got Stockdale you know and they've got Stockdale and they've still got Johnny Sexton and they've still got Jerry Carberry and they've still got Conor Murray who if you give them an opportunity in the right point you know part of the field they will score on you we talk about those but, fine margins don't you and yeah. the biggest example of it for me for Scotland and I'm not saying you know I'm not trying to demonise the guy because this can happen to anybody which is an example of how tight the margin is at this level when they were in the 22 against Ireland and I think they went through about 18 phases and they finally worked it all the way right and Seymour was in it was 24 phases 24 phases thank you Seymour was in and he overran the ball and everyone said that wasn't a good pass no it's the only pass that could have been given to him because he'd overrun the ball that's why he did a weird pirouette because he was beyond the ball. Yeah, so he trying... probably started his run 0.2 of a second too early. Yeah, and that's the moment. And that wasn't a try. Yeah. And that is honestly, that's, that's, a, that's a more complex, that and that's a more complex example of how tight and how fine it yeah. is at that, at that level. The less complex examples are, why the fuck did you keep kicking for touch? Yeah. When Take you could have taken some points. The... Points. No, no, I've always pointed out, yes, but such a body did that and they scored. So, yeah, but, that, you know, you've got to play percentage. You know, one thing Scotland haven't done generally is played percentages. Mm. And when you've got all of their history, like you're saying about, you know, harsh lessons and stuff, why are you not playing the percentages? Andy Nicholl made the point before the game. He was saying, John o, Martin Johnson was saying, England showed you what to do. England showed you what to do last week. Mm. And Andy Nicholman got quite, because he was getting quite pissy, because he was a bit like, no, they showed how England beat Ireland. That's not how Scotland are going to beat Ireland. And I actually think it's probably correct. That's okay, but you've at least got to put some of that England stuff in and take some percentage you've fucking points. Learn lesson. You've got to learn lessons, haven't you? And that's, and that's the problem. If, if Townsend is sort of discommitted to, you know, we win playing razzle-dazzle rugby or we lose... That's not a but way Townsend's to... not telling Laidlaw to kick for touch in the first no. seven but minutes if, when there's three if, points on offer, is he? No, but if the sort of Scotland mindset permeates is we're going to win playing fancy rugby or we're not going or not at all, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. That's all very romantic, but hmm. I don't think it's a you know it's not a way to move Scottish rugby forward. You know, when you look at a team like when Glasgow won the Pro 14, yeah, they played really fucking exciting, attacking, interesting rugby, but they also knew when to mix it up and they also knew when to to keep it tight. And the fact that that... Ha- and, you know, look at Edinburgh. They, they're they exactly the same. 
So why this doesn't filter up to the national side, I don't really know. Is it Finn? Is it just Finn's mental? And actually, no, I don't think it was because actually he did okay. And he actually, fine, he's lovely like, to watch at the minute. He seems to have honestly, time. He yeah, seems to have, I, he's kind of consummate, you know. He's, and actually, that I think. made him such a better player. But I mean, like, is his just his, his commitment to just like, yeah, I'm going to do fancy shit? Just does that rub off on everyone else? I think what's so infuriating, or it must be if you're a Scotland fan, it's infuriating for me watching, is yeah. that they've kind of cracked the most difficult stuff. And they keep fucking up the really easy stuff, like just getting a bit of territory, taking points when they're on offer. And then when you've got good possession, they can do that that difficult stuff. You look at, you know, England can't do that stuff, but England are winning. Yeah, (laughs) we were talking, it's exactly what we were talking about earlier. You know, England haven't been able to execute that, you know, really nice, effective phase play. So they're doing something else to win. Whereas Scotland are executing that really effective face play because it's even though it's much harder to do but they're not doing the very basic simple shit that would enable them to win games i'm not saying you know i'm not saying that scotland have become a bad team i'm not saying that scotland no. aren't going to win games in this six nations no, and, a, and a few little decisions either way they could have won that yeah. game saturday you know it's not but, it's, not... but these are the fine margins that test rugby and you know winning against good teams at test at test level is you know that's that's the fine margins. Those are the margins, like you say. It's a it's a point something of a second, or it's you know a decision to go mm. for goal or not. And if you have three or four and of those can, in one game, yeah. which they did, yeah. you're yeah. in trouble. You can and you, but you can't control somebody mistiming in their run by half a second. What you can control is you get a shot of kickable points and you go, nah, you're all right. <laughs> like yes. that's a lot more of an easy thing to control. Than scoreboard the, the pressure is, is or a knock on or whatever. Scoreboard pressure is very hackneyed, you know, yeah. and it's, it's, it, it is a truism now. But it is actually, I think, there's still a lot of value in it. Oh yeah, you know, there's nothing more demoralising than if you're playing quite well, but the team that you're playing a lot better than just keeps within two points of you the whole time. Yeah, you know, and actually, and or, or just somehow you find yourself behind. Think, well, I'm playing. Yeah. we're playing best here. And I'm, I'm behind. It's um. Yeah. There's no team in the world more fucking susceptible to scoreboard pressure than Wales, which is a word of advice for Scotland fans in a couple of weeks when we come down to Murphy. You know, look at how they were on uh, on Saturday in Rome. You know, they were absolutely just going through the motions, and then Italy scored off a fucking jammy. You know, their first attack, just a, a weak bit of defence and a, a lapse in judgment, and all of a sudden, and then for the next forty minutes, that game was a real struggle for Wales oh. because. I'm sorry, I'm distracted because my printer's just started printing something by my face. I'm sorry if you can hear that. So that's fantastic. Is it something like a weird horror film where it just sort of prints out you are going to die seven thousand times on various pieces of paper? It just says my work is not yet complete. (laughs) Everyone will know my name. (laughs) Yeah. So. uh... Yeah. So I yeah, you look at the way that Wales sort of struggled as soon as Italy scored because you could sense that. You know, with an inexperienced team and a team that didn't know them each other that well, they were hugely susceptible to the the pressure of just you know Italy being in touch, mm. and Italy having scored a try when they hadn't. And as soon as they well scored another try, like the they basically just went, "All right, this is going to be fine." But while that pressure is there, and Scotland could have done exactly the same with Ireland, you know, that Ireland team had the best player in the world off the pitch. It had. You know, Conor Murray playing some of the worst rugby of his career. 
stacks of experienced Ireland players missing with injury. If Scotland had been chipping, you know, if Scotland had been five or six points ahead going into the, you know, last 20 minutes, who knows what would have happened there. But instead, they just, they kept going for the try. I mean, you know, even just a, a one or two points behind, you know, putting that pressure on them, putting that that sense that, you know, you could steal it in a second yeah. is, Arguably, is, is powerful. They gave Ireland two tries. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Well, they, certainly gave, them, they certainly gave them one. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the defensive <laughs> calamity. Yeah, this, yeah. Um, and then, of course, the other one. And then the one where Carberry broke through. Isn't it amazing what people are amazed by, is what I found <laughs> out. Because Joey Carberry, an international outside half, mm-hmm. busts that tackle and you go, okay. Then he has what an international term, international rugby player mind outside half terms is. Probably the best part of an hour and a half to decide how he's going to pass that ball. It wasn't. It was a few seconds. But international in like the matrix brain of an international fly half, he goes running through. He throws a pass on the run to Keith Earls, and mm-hmm. everybody as a, gets a massive into a massive throffing thro- frothing vinegar stroke nightmare over the fact that an international fly half can pass a ball to his right on the run <laughs> when he's had about an hour to work out that he's going to do it. Yeah, it's like don't get me wrong, I couldn't do it. But no, of I'm course I fucking couldn't. I'm not an international flyer. I mean, it was a nice um, pass. No, they could have mm. said that's a very nice pass. Well finished off. Instead, it's 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 as if he's just, I don't know. As if he's it's done, weird. I don't know, uh, the Pele weird. overhead kick and escaped a victory, you know. We live in a world where things are obviously massively hyped. There are instantly. too many superlatives. Too, yeah, and, you know, it, 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 it's... No, well it done, sir. Always... Lovely try. It, and, you know, nice it was pass. a lovely try. It was a beautiful Good try. work there off were... the ball by Keith Earls as well. Very there good. Was, there, was, there were loads of really nice, good tries scored this weekend. And, yeah, it was just... I thought, sometimes I feel like we're the only ones here sitting here being miserable about it, and it shouldn't... We're kind I'm of not just... being miserable about it. It was well, a very nice wrong... break and a very nice pass. It's just like, yeah. if you say everything's fucking brilliant... Then what is well, eventually fucking brilliant? Exactly. Everyone's going to die of a coronary when somebody actually does something brilliant if you keep <laughs> getting this excited. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that knocks me. It's like, don't make, don't make the really, really special things less special by acting like really, you know, very, very good things. An absolutely resting. expected skill to execute has just been executed. <laughs> yeah, it's worse with tackles, though. The level of hype that mundane tackles that any player should make are given because they were somehow theatrical when we don't want to be like this life doesn't no. have to be like this but no, you know I don't just... want to, I'm, I'm not genuinely i'm not that sad like yeah i'm not this miserable a person it's just kind of just like can we not like save the the first the... half of this game can we not save by the, the way... fine vintage for, yeah, indeed. for the, the, the special occasions for special yeah. occasion. can we not save it for christmas the first half of this game was fucking brilliant yeah, it was. It was Brilliant. fantastic. And then basically from half time of that game, everything went downhill for the rest of the weekend. It's, yeah, with all three games this weekend, like so the first half was at the bare minimum for Wales-Italy, it was quite interesting. And then the rest, I mean, when Italy scored, it was like, oh, okay, this might be an interesting game then. But the second half was absolute fucking dog shit. I thought the Italy-Wales game was like trying to watch 30 fellas trying to push a shocked oyster into a coin slot. It was fucking awful. It was shit. It was as pointless as it was useless. I'm I'm saying that the first half was considerably more compelling than the second, where, honestly, 
honestly, I just could have done anything else but watch that game. It was <laughs> so fucking dull. And it, and it was a reminder that even with, for all their 11-game fucking world re- you know, record-winning streak hype, Wales are just not very good. Like... They're increasingly like failing the sight test. Like sight test of is this actually a good team I'm watching? That's why I find it interesting that people are getting in, the knickers in a right knot about who should play ten, and yeah. really there are far bigger far issues bigger to try and address. Yeah. Who should play nine? Like who carries the ball in the forwards? Yeah. Things yeah. like that, you know. They still look like like they've never actually played rugby before when they attack a lot of the time. Their defence has become tr- like really prone to fucking stupid lapses in the red zone. The line-out is an absolute comedy joke. They can't decide who their halfbacks are when we're nine months out from the World Cup. Nine from 13, but, the line-outs, by the way. Fucking disgraceful. Some of that line-out play was fucking despicable. Like, not to take anything away from the work that Italy clearly did on it, but it was just a absolute shambles. And you, that last two weeks, you just look at... There are obviously positives about Wales at the moment. They've got some good young players and they're building depth. But Josh like, Adams looks great. Yeah, he does. And Aaron Wainwright looks fucking excellent. Mm. And, you know, there are... And I, I thought Owen Watkin played really well and he's probably looking better than fucking Hadley Parks. How would be on his form. name? Yes. On form in terms of, and, you know, in terms of long-term upside as well. But, like, I've got, I've got no idea, really whether good Wales or bad Wales is going to turn up at any given time. And more often than not at the moment, it's looking like bad Wales. So, like, all of this fucking winning streak hype is just fucking bollocks. You know, they don't look very good at the moment. And Gatland obviously knows this. But Yeah, I think the good thing very... is I don't think anybody in the camp will be allowed to get... But it's nothing on a bit of confidence, is there? Like England no, now, and, they can, yeah. and they can have the confidence, you know, they can take solace in the confidence that they're finding ways to win when they're playing, like, absolute dog shit. But... You know, I don't think anybody outside of that Wales camp should be under any fucking illusions who the fucking favourites are and who the form team is coming to Cardiff in a couple of weeks' time because there's fucking on earth. I can see what you're doing. Don't think I don't know exactly what you're fucking doing. It's true though, isn't it? Fucking hell, no. look at the fucking state of that Wales team. I'm not engaging with it. I'm not, I'm not engaging with it. I'm, not not with it. I'm just saying, look at the fucking state of that Wales team on the weekend. <laughs> they got... Well, it's not your first choice team, is it? No, 10 changes, but like 10 changes with a lot on of players. On paper, that... though, it looked, that still looked like a decent team. It's, yeah, that, that team still... shouldn't have played like that, even no. with 10 changes. No, it was unacceptable. And <laughs> that. Just... that is unacceptable. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not like when you play when you've got a fucking seventy cap fly off at ten. It's not good to be. It's not acceptable to be that rudderless. No. You know, Anscombe's coming back in now, isn't he? Well, yeah, he's gonna well, he's gonna have to now because <laughs> Dan Bigger mixed looking very good at times with broadly taking a shit with his clothes on when every other ball in his hands. So yeah, Tommaso Allen's boot is like a waking nightmare. <laughs> Awful. Why is it a team, a country that's so good at football, can't find somebody who can kick a ball properly? Kick a ball. I know it's a different shape, but it's still no excuse. Yeah, it's the the, the vague principles of striking a ball are broadly the same, though. I remember seeing a video once of Zinedine Zidane and Dan Carter kicking kicking sticks because they were both sponsored by Adidas. And what was hilarious was the very different way they kicked. Carter had that whole massive setup and whatever, whatever. And Zidane just kind of took a couple of steps back and kind of sauntered towards the ball and wanged it. And kind of his, yeah. his foot came back behind his other foot after he'd finished, like a sort of roundhouse kick. And it still <laughs> went through the posts. Of course it did. 
Because I mean, he's editing Zidane, obviously. Yeah, but, you know, all gonna... he, you know, all he does all day is kick a ball. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, it's. But you'd think that they could just convince somebody. Yeah. Why can't they find a proper, decent, creative ten, which is what they've done in football forever? Mm. And why can't they find somebody who can play as kick a ball? Just, just you know, pick your you know standard third division like Italian, <laughs> like little fucking pocket playmaker dude. Yeah. Ask him to pack on about thirty pound of muscle. Make him a fucking scrum. I think you should do that now. That's relatively straightforward. Surely. They all do that at the age of twenty. Come on, it's piss easy. Get him on some human growth hormone before he gets tested in some amateur division somewhere. It's got to be better than watching Eduardo Gori, for God's sake. (laughs) Still getting away with it. Still. Still (laughs) getting away with it after all these years. Uh, Uh, Yeah, so that was that game. Yeah. And that was the weekend, probably. It was, yeah, yeah. Do you want to do shit good to finish off this this wonderful little Sharabank? Yes. Should you do good first? Ooh. Go on, then. I just like ending on a downer. Um... I'm going to say good was Bramstein or Bramstein, Bramstein. Yes, I can't, I can't say Bramstein in a South Af- in an Italian accent, funny enough. So, uh, how would you do that, Bramstein? Bramstein. <laughs> so get your hands going. You yeah, can't see it, like but the hands are going to get going. You got a hand talk, haven't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he was just at the heart of all the good stuff Italy did on Saturday, which there was quite a lot of. Like he was. Uh, nuisance at the line out he's a nuisance at the breakdown scored his try he was very good he was very good we're good we're doing aren't we what have I yes we are oh, we've already mentioned it but Owen Farrell who he's looks like he's on another level consummate in the extreme yeah at the minute is like every part of his game like all the things that he used to be good at he remains fucking excellent at his defence is brilliant his kicking out of hand is excellent his you know, general physicality is excellent, but his passing is so much better than it used to be. And like decision way, making, and the, the, yeah, the decision making and the timing of the pass. Is, weirdly, his goal kicking has gone a bit mess since. But it it's all really right. Kick. It's still okay. Do you know yeah, I mean? it's fine. But it's, he used to be a sort of ninety percent goal kicker, and now he's more like a sort of eighty. But when he's orchestrating masterful, dominant performances like that, who really cares? You know, he could have missed every fucking kick that. He'd had a crack at this tournament, yeah. and they probably still would have won because he's kicking out so, of hand is enough. Yeah. Um, other good for me, uh, Jamie George, and the entire England back row, because it means that Dylan Hartley, that's done. James Haskell, that's done. Chris Wobshaw, nothing against him, but that's done as well. Like, there's a whole lot of past their prime England players' careers that have been ended by the former players like Jamie George and Mark It'd be Wilson. very interesting to see what happens with Chris Robshaw. I don't think he's going yeah. to start now, but whether he's still in the squad will be interesting to <clears> see. Yeah, because you just look at the, the, the... It's particularly somebody like Sam Underhill coming back, like for the World Cup. you just got to think, there shouldn't be any place for players like Chris Robshaw in that squad anymore because there are more... In, like There are players that can offer more... and can offer more that... I don't. I like. I like Chris Robshaw. He seems like yeah, a good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good Very lad. good international he's, forward. He's a, yeah, he's been a great international forward for England within a, a role that he's not always been best suited to. You know, hmm. but do I think that Chris Robshaw is capable of like playing with the sort of dynamic intensity that England's forwards currently are? I don't know. Like, hmm. you look at the way that they're hitting rucks and the speed and the energy that they're showing to like get from ruck to ruck to ruck and there's 
Mark Wilson fact. looks kind of gnarly. Yeah. Doesn't he? There's something he looks like. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like a man that... He looks like he's an handful. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? And yeah, he is, he but looks he looks like, like he is as well. was born to do that, just to go from ruck to ruck to ruck to ruck, smashing people and loving it. And... Good yeah. for me, by the way, was Mark Wilson versus four French players when it all that sort of nearly special. kicked off. That whole fight was the only enjoyable part of the second half for me, to be brutally honest. Honestly, God, I fucking love him. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got the he's, look of a psychopath. Which he's is a exactly northerner, important. and he's, yeah. he's not from Yorkshire. <laughs> I know he's from Cumbria, but I'll take that over Yorkshire. He's northwest at least. Plays in my position, you know, quite a bit better than me, but plays in yeah. my position. I he's fucking old. love him. He's old. He's 29 know. years old. He's yeah. got a wonderful sort of, you know, Hollywood, that sort of Indian summer career about it going yeah. on. And, that, and he, you know, he, he, he's, and he's so fit. I don't think he could play for another four years. That's the thing, isn't it? It's like, yes, he is 29. And you wonder how, you know, you're, everyone's entitled to wonder how long he can keep this level up. However... Like you say, he just looks... He's fucking energised. It's just out so, there. so nice to love somebody in the England six shirt for once. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's, it's been, been a long, long time, time coming. coming. I can yeah. finally feel like you know, the PTSD sort of thing is, is slowly wearing off. Yeah. Anything else that's good from you? Or do we go uh, Peter Omani. I mean, you could also put this in shit or indeed shit house for uh, that very, very obvious cheap shot on Hog that Scotland fans are quite right to be. But that's... That's what he does. He was back to being a niggly, horrible dickhead. That's what back row players do. Yeah, and that's what he does better than pretty much any other back row on the planet. I mean, it was massively a a penalty. Massively a penalty. penalty. It was late. He didn't use his arms. You know, pick one. No, it was. Yeah, it was. It was a classic speed bump tackle that players were getting sent off for two years ago, and then they forgot. But it's yeah, that's what he does. He's an asshole. That's why he's good at what he does, and but every single one of us would want him in a in our Absolutely. team. You would wish he was yours. Um, and my final good is just Brazil, because they they beat Canada for just the second time on the weekend in the Americas Rugby Championship. So, uh, yeah, yeah, James Kingsley Reece Kingsley got Jones continue, yeah, Kingsley Jones continuing to smash it. <laughs> <laughs> Dream team, yeah. Uh, James Reese also got in touch on Twitter. He said good was Brazil beating Canada. And he said also their scrum being near pornographic. Yes. I, I didn't see it? the game, but was it a... The highlights of their scrum is... I mean, they basically, basically the only reason they won is that they just turned up and just scrummaged them off the fucking park. Did they? Oh, brilliant. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. It was all Especially because that's so anti-Brazil. Yeah. Well, they'll be throwing so, the ball around. No, yeah. no, they won't. <laughs> no, 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 they'll they'll be, be squeezing no, the fucking life no, out of you. No, no samba rugby here. We will be... <laughs> We will be taking some notes from our Argentinian brothers when they started this shit, <laughs> and we will be scrummaging you off the park. Well, what have we got good from other things from Twitter then? Alistair Quinn gets in touch. Hello, Alistair, uh, on Twitter. He says, good. Is it goes without saying, but it was a pleasure to watch Laws absolutely smash Bastro into the middle tier row 10 of the South Star. That was a very good tackle. It yes, was a very, it was. very Courtney Laws tackle. When you're watching yeah. slow motion, he hit him just as Bastro left the ground to then yes. land and change direction, but it was yeah. all too late. He just bang, yeah. He is great hit. Bastro is absolutely terrible, awful waste of time. Absolutely, like what is the point in him now? Yeah, as, bizarre. Like, 
with the, the greatest respect. Can't no, kick, no, no pace, doesn't even yeah. carry. Defence is yeah. meh. Remember when awful. he had that brief moment about for about three weeks last year where he was like offloading and shit. Mm. And good over the ball and stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's fucking gone. He's basically just decided, well, you've had your fucking three weeks of me looking like a decent rugby player. So, uh, yes. Yeah, fuck you. Gareth Thomas got in touch and he said, good, is Nigel Owens censoring himself so he didn't have to give Sinclair a soft letter of the law card? You slapped him to the head, uh, to the scrum cap. What he actually said was, to Gareth, Gareth what he actually said, if I remember, to... Um, to Sinclair. To Sinclair was... I mentioned what he said. He said I mentioned. I can't know his voice, but I mentioned over I mean, there. He said I, I had a conversation. I had a conversation with you about rugby valos. He said, etc., etc. Et he said, "Well, all right then. Hang on a minute." Carl Slinker slapped a bloke on the head. Yeah. After arguing, you know, he might have also just been slapped slapped on the head seconds before. Also, but he certainly, he certainly, with quite a lot of force. Let's be. It wasn't like a tap on the head. He properly fucking hit him on the head, like. <laughs> It, you know, he did it. Like, what? spare me the rugby values bullshit. He just did it. And also, what Nigel doesn't seem to understand is that shit I was in opposition forwards is absolutely in line with rugby values. Exactly. So actually, he shouldn't have been penalised in any way whatsoever. But, like, it's interesting because, like, Nigel is one of my fucking number one shits for this <laughs> week. Because, like, on it, like, when did every game he ref start turning into a fucking ordeal? So I'm sure it didn't used to be. No, the it pace. didn't. One of the things that was always a defence of him was that all the best games are ref by him. Yeah, and that was true for a period. Absolutely yeah. true. But now he just seems to spend more time worrying about like which fucking Twitter baiting monologue Wales Online are going to put on the internet this week. You know, about respect or culture or values or fucking ocelots or something. I don't know. I love, I love what he said the other week. You know, if, if I were if I was in Parliament with these Brett politicians, I'd be sending a few of them to the sim bed, he said on Twitter. And somebody then put that tweet, a picture of that tweet, next to the picture of his headline saying, I don't want to be a celebrity. <laughs> it's just... It's, I'm, I like, think it's, the thing. I kind of still he's like the guy. Bo- I think he's, Me too. He's, well, I, yeah. I like him as... But, like, he's not bothering. <laughs> he doesn't seem that bothered about getting the decisions right anymore. Like... Matthew Raynal had to do the like. He's much more. He seems much more bothered, genuinely, about delivering these little fucking. Mod- and it's always been part of his thing. It does seem to be getting more often. But it's it getting does. more often, and like he's not getting important things right now. And he's sort of having a bit of a weird megalomania vibe where he doesn't want to look at the TMO. And if he does look at the TMO, he only has the TMO to check literally the thing that he already knows is correct that agrees with him. And he doesn't, you know. Two of those England tries on the weekend, it was like, if you literally look at anything else there, you'll at least have a slightly quicker look at it. And, you know, you'll look to see if... Yeah, Chris Ashton overran Ashton, the ball. O- overran the ball. So it was and, still a yellow card and it was still a penalty. But the fact yeah. that he'd have had to have turned round to get the ball starts to bring yeah. penalty try into question. Because yeah. it, it would have yeah. been two blokes stood pretty much still next to each other by that point. Yeah. And the Farrell try, like, regardless of whether or not uh, either French player had got there, Johnny May was 100% committing a penalty offence. Yes, he was him. pulling his arm back. Yeah, he yeah. was. It and wouldn't have made a difference to the game. No, but no it's, it but, makes yeah. no difference whatsoever to the game, so it, it's not going to be important. But, like, you think, like, Matthew Raynal had to do the entire game in Rome with no ref, Mike. And, honestly, I think Nigel would have gone on strike if he was in that position. So why has that happened? I think they, the technology's fucked up. 
Oh, was it? It wasn't. There's not. Like was, a bit, there's not like a policy decision. To no, I wish there fucking was. To be honest, because if like but exclusively for Nige, just <laughs> just bored of it. Like I'm bored. Of, like if you watch rugby enough, as we all do, and if you listen to this, you probably do as well. It's just boring now. It's the same old fucking hackneyed shit about values and culture and respect, and it's like nobody fucking who's listening now. And you could see the look on fucking Farrell and Sinclair's faces when he started talking about values. It was like a sort of a roll of the eyes, and it's like it's the way he uses exactly the same diction. He's going to give us a lecture about fucking. It's the way he uses the same diction and the same meter when he's talking to French people as well. Yeah, it's like no, I'm sure they can speak English okay, but yeah, I'm pretty sure all of that's been lost on them there. Yeah, they've absolutely. But it's like because they know when Nigel starts giving his little thing, they you can see the smile because they're like. Well, he's going to go soft as shit on us here because he wants to give us a nice little thing about rugby you values. Made a point then, he's Twitter, to, then he's going to tell us not to do it again. You made a point in Twitter, didn't you, about the fact that he was almost daring the TMO to disagree with him with that, that yeah. Ashton penalty try decision. Yeah. What I've seen is this. Do you see yeah. anything different live on television personally yeah. up in the TMO thing? There's no, I, I'm not seeing any knock-on, are you? <laughs> and it was like, yeah, I'm seeing a fucking blatant penalty, but you're not giving him a chance to fucking ch- like, chime in there. Like it's The guy's fucking... He's lost it, man. And the thing like, is, I've got no problem if you don't want to go to the TMO. Just go, no, I'm happy with the no. decision. But then don't go and then blatantly ignore what you can see he's, in front of he's you. Tr- he's treating his, his assistants with like genuine contempt. Like if when someone comes over and goes, no, I just think you better look at that. It's all, you can see the look on his face. He's just like, how fucking dare you question my judgment as the referee? He's like, how dare you do your fucking job? It's not rugby values as you question the referee, but I'm the touch judge, Nigel. doesn't matter. Yeah. Get back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. we got go- Sorry, that was a bit of a sidebar into shit. Sidebar yeah. straight into shit there. No, let's just go there. finish the goods off. Adam Bush says, yeah. "Good is Ireland taking their chances and playing smart enough to get the W?" Yeah, it's probably true. Adam, again, everything we covered before shows yeah. there are different positions to Scotland. Really, uh, Joe Taring gets into it. So good is getting confirmation that for all his brilliance, the old Johnny May is still in there somewhere and will attempt a quick line out. Five metres out by throwing a pass to a triple-marked teammate. Yeah, that was That fun. was glorious. I really enjoyed that. I'm Matt Matthewman's mentioned Law's tackle on Bastro as well. Tom Gorman <laughs> says is that good, despite the farce that continues around him, Gerardo turns up to work and puts in a good shift every fuck. He's doing the Lord's work in there. God love him. It's, yeah, I, I don't know how long he can carry this on. No, indeed. Uh, James gets in touch, Phil Manorak 73. He says, good was Sinclair's miss pass for Slade's try. Yes, Sinclair generally, actually. Yeah, to be honest with you, yeah. Loving like, him. Loving I him. Enjoy, even when Sinclair was committing naked acts of foul play, like, he's just really good value with it, though, isn't he? It's prop, It's, it's nice shithousey foul, foul play, yeah, though. He's an absolute prick. Yeah. And I can There's as, a difference I can between shithouse foul play and, and cunt. Cunt. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what I mean? So He's, a, he's definitely a shit. And I can enjoy that. Final good is Spence, and he says, good is Dan Robson getting his first England cap. Yes. That was yes, nice. Finally. I also, one more. I, every, a lot of people have commented, including Phil Jones, uh, about the uh, Gregor Townsend's little bag of sweets that he had in the uh, oh, yeah. coaching booth, which was lovely. Uh, what else? So, should we go on to shit? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm already way well, you're already ahead there, of you, yeah. let's face you're already, it. So, yeah. Yeah, you're already still fuming, aren't you? Oh, shit state of mind. Um, Johnny Wilkinson's Pillars of Leadership. What the fuck is this shit? This was. Did you not hear about half time? <coughs> no. I was in a place where the. Oh, of course, yeah. So Johnny's it, on, right? 
where and they he, put he kind of dissolves on, into on. like incredibly sort of detailed tedium management speak. And he said something about France is struggling. This is what I heard, right? France is struggling because you should have pillars of leadership. He definitely said that. And then I think he said something like, and in between those, you need follow leadership engagement pathfinders. They lead the epsilons to the meadow of plentiful certainty beyond the pillars of leadership <laughs> that allow for the growth of intersectional cohesion. French club rugby doesn't have this. And now this is an issue for them in the national team. I might have made some of that up. But what he absolutely but said... It's entirely, it's entirely accurate. What he absolutely was... said about one French player was, yeah. he can, this, and this is a quote, right? Oh, he can thrive in an environment without the certainty of perfection. What does Honest, that even mean? Honestly, like Wilkinson's... I, I'm glad that it works for him. But Wilkinson's like proper like buying into... He like he is the peak fucking Clive Woodward player in that. Yes, he'd have listened. He'd have lapped all of that up. Yeah, Clive Woodward speaks nothing but absolute fucking bullshit Brentisms and fucking nineteen ninety management bollocks. And in in two thousand and three, that worked for a lot of that England squad. But for and you see it with the way that a lot of them talk now, where you just want to fucking throttle them because they're still they're still spouting that same fucking Will Greenwood, tired, yeah. Well, that same tired nonsense that's you know even people in the corporate world are fucking long given up on. But with somebody like Wilkinson, he sort of fused that with a weird like pseudo Buddhist Zen thing that he discovered when his fucking world fell apart. But weirdly, a couple of years ago when he started when he started punditing, he wasn't <laughs> yeah. doing this. He was a bit no. of a revelation because he started talking in great detail about what Sunday was trying to achieve and yeah, so, yeah. and that's where his value is. Because of his, his like, you know, ridiculous analysis of things. You can go, well, what he's trying to do there is this and that didn't and quite is, happen because about, somebody and moved there the, and Yeah, but instead the problem is that as he's become more comfortable as a pundit <laughs> He's just his true allowed, self is coming out. True, yeah, well, yeah. It's like he was just like, oh, well, I suppose I'll just tell him about what's going on. But now he's really comfortable. Yeah, like, and where Shane Williams says he can communicate my management philosophy to them. Where Shane Williams like, oh, says Jesus. nothing of any, it just he has a complete battery of banal shit to say. Shane Williams, that's all he has. Whereas yeah. Johnny's got this incredibly complex management language that he uses all the time. And on top yeah. of this, to finish this off, on top of this, I'm highly suspecting that he's starting to comb over his hair. There's a bit. Have of a, a look next against, time he's on, listeners. A bit of a raging against the. I think there's definitely there. that kind of Phil Collins head shape coming at the front, and he's pulling forward a little bit too much. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. We've all, you know, there, there go we all. But you know, not me. I've got a lovely thick head of hair. But yeah, you have got a lovely thick head of hair. To be fair, <laughs> but I agree with you that there, his his forehead's a lot bigger than it used to be, and <laughs> yeah, there's. And there, it's the fact that his hair always looks like he's just took a beanie off. It's all a yeah. bit too plastered down to his <laughs> yeah. head, you know. I don't know what you mean. And the thing is, you know, he only needs to talk to literally any of his World Cup 2003 teammates to recommend an excellent hair transplant Indeed, person. indeed. You know, literally, you cannot throw a stone amongst that 2003 World Cup squad and find, <laughs> you know, a, one of those, you know, clinics that they're always advertising on the telly. Shane Warne is excellent in those adverts. His, his <laughs> acting is beyond reproach, by the way. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's definitely beyond something. Have you got anything that's shit beyond what you've already ranted about? Uh, um, no, well, yeah, I have got a question. <laughs> uh, you and Uge, 
because what about having a mayor last week and he had a fucking mayor led Bruno to think, yeah, let's let's put that guy at fullback. He's a guy let's I want put... turning running for the ball. Yeah, let's put him in a position that he's not familiar with and is even more important defensively after he had a fucking shit time last week. Brilliant idea. I mean, Brunel's head's magnificent, isn't it? Yes. Let's play I mean... four centres, and actually one of the centres I'll play on the wing is Gail Ficku, who's been playing shit for years. Yeah, even Don't in the give it, I mean, you know, it'd be a question mark if they picked him as a centre. Yeah, to pick him as all. a winger is staggering. Yeah, that's a big call to start him in such a big game at 12, the position he plays every week. But yeah, playing him on the wing was mental. And he, you know, and then playing him on the wing and then not telling him to what to do is even better. I mean, you know, I mean, the thing is, you say never change, France, but actually, yeah, please do, because nobody wants to watch a game like that, do they? That's my other shit, actually, is France being shit is shit. Because it's not good for rugby. Dai Lama on Twitter said that as well. He said, France is shit. I'll let you have that magnificent piece of analysis. I hope you're going to analyse more than that. But go on, yeah. Yeah, it's not good for rugby when, like, a traditional power like France is... And the country is 66 million people, don't forget. Like, you know, they're the biggest rugby-focused nation in the world. Um, and it's not good for the sport if they're shit all the time. You know, they, they, and the, the game needs big teams to be good and competitive. You know, the Six Nations needs a strong... France versus England shouldn't be a fucking battering. No. It should be one of the biggest rivalries in rugby. It should be one of the most hardly contested games in rugby. Or it should be like 2015 every year. 55-35. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. yeah. One way or it should be competitive. And it's not good for rugby to, the, you know, one of our, the biggest countries that, you know, the biggest country that rugby has that, uh, you know, actually gives a fuck about the sport. Yes. They're not just bad. They're fucking terrible and they don't seem to be getting any better. It's it's not good for the game, and yeah, I, I mean, I hope they don't come back before the World Cup because Wales will probably get them in the quarter final. But um, after that, I hope they get a bit better. You know? Well, so what have we got here then? That shit. Max Trail gets in touch on Twitter. He says shit is Scotland's ball handling. It cost yes. them the match. Yes. Uh, Patricia gets in touch on Twitter. She says shit is the fact that Gillan Garrado has to put up with this shit. <laughs> yeah. Very I mean, well yeah. put. Yes. Uh, James Ancion, uh, how do you pronounce your Twitter handle, James? Is it An- Ancion Wrecker? I'm trying to oh, be that Irish. Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't know. <laughs> nice guy, though. And he, sa- yes. he says, shit is the lack of articles this year showing minutes played in the Premiership versus the Pro 14 to explain, explain England's poor run of form. Yeah, they don't do that when England are winning, do they? They don't yeah, trot out that. all these, oh, look at all the, the minutes they're having to play. That's what the problem is. <laughs> it's almost like it's got fuck all to do with it, isn't it? Uh, Kevin Heaney gets in touch on Twitter at Blood and Mud. He says, shit, is Conor Murray's third stinker in a row and Schmidt mm. leaving him on for till the 76th minute? Well, I suppose he's you were trying, winning by to, this point. He's trying to play him back into form. And you were he? winning by that point, and he can still kick a decent box kick, which is probably what you needed at that time. Mm. You, I'm assuming you're Irish, Kevin. Being called yeah. Heaney and all that. I could be wrong, though. Well, you know. Uh, I'm a Leinster fan. Have you got any more, uh, have you got any more shit? Because I'm done now. Uh, no, I'm done, man. Let's, let's call, let's call this, this thing a day. Shambles, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening, as always. Thank you for your contributions. Indeed. Sorry we can't use them all. They're getting more plentiful every week. The listeners are going up every week, which I still, I'm still quite flabbergasted, really. 
So thank you very it's much for that. Weirdly, weirdly, uh, weirdly, you're just encouraging us. In a way, um, yeah. You know, this will never stop if you keep listening. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, thank you, everybody. Just think about that. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back next week for well, domestic rugby next week, is it? I don't yes, know. Yes, it is, probably. I mean, this might be one of those ones where we just talk about bollocks for an hour. But we're definitely we going to have that. the uh, Team of the 90s Patreon starting in yes. the next few weeks. Thank you very yes. much to everyone who's, who's voted on the fullback one. And Indeed. we'll uh, speak to you all soon. Thank you. Goodbye. Take care, everyone. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.